This is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. Welcome, welcome, welcome. For those of you who have been around this podcast for the last 10 or 12 years with us, we're so glad to have you. And for those of you who are new, welcome, welcome, welcome. I love the word welcome. I think it's because the middle of that word or the end of that word says come. Come, come, come. That's what Jesus says to us. Robert Mulholland Mulholland writes these powerful words that I'd like to begin our time together today as we begin this season of listening. That's the theme for the season, listening. And what are we listening for? We're listening for love and learning, and we're anchoring in Psalm 4610 on a simple phrase that's quite powerful, and it says, be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nation. I am exalted in the earth. I am the Lord of hosts. Be still for that God. Mulholland says, wherever there is something in your life that is not conformed to the image of Christ, there is a place where we are incapable of being all God wants us to be with others. A place where our life with others is hindered and limited and restricted in its effectiveness and its fullness. A place where our life will tend to become disruptive and maybe even destructive to others. We can never be all God wants us to be with others as long as that point of unlikeness to the image of Christ exists within us. I, I read that and I just crumbled. I thought... We will never be all God wants us to be unless, and, and we, uh, this point of unlikeness, are, it's varied and changing, but my desire to listen to him, to listen to others, to be changed by my relationship with him grows and grows, and this listening is an important part of learning and learning about who God is and who I am. I am an important part of listening, and listening and learning is learning how to be still. And this is a new season together, and this season we'll be spending our time looking at this. When the psalmist says to be still and know that he is God, I remember thinking, well, be still and know that he's God because he's very big and he's very God. But as I stayed with that passage over the years, I began to see that it was in my very stillness, which came to me in a, with a lot of prayer and difficulty, but it was in my very stillness that I could honestly and truly say that in every encounter of stillness, I learned more about who God was. Not about Him, but about who he is and who he is to me. Not in facts about him, not that he's a part of the Trinity, not that he created the heavens and the earth, but who he is and who he means to me. He is exalted. 
Stillness is more than silence. This is a pausing, a stepping back. If you're like me, I've called out to God so often with petitions and prayers. I've tried more than anyone I know (laughs) to get to know him, to love him more. And, and, And I say, Lord, help me. And then what do I do? I read another book. And if you've seen all the books I read, do you know I read another book? And if you've been around here at all, you know that I have a serious crush on books. Large and small, old and new, adult and children, fiction and nonfiction. I want you to know I never read a book I didn't love. (laughs) I never met a book that I couldn't read excerpts from or a portion of it and not be different. Or... Uh, I ask to know God and I study another book of the Bible or I listen to a podcast or I call one of my God-fearing friends or I walk into my husband's study and I say, I want to know God better. What, what would you recommend? So in the last 20 plus years that I've been taking this Sabbath rest on Wednesdays, and I must tell you, um, while I mentioned it last time we were together, I have to feel a little bit of more information would be helpful to you. I had been asked to lead a conference, and the conference was called uh, Balancing Life's Demands. And the individual who called me, the minute that title was given, I said, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't possibly do that. I don't believe in balance. And there was this long pause on the other end of the phone, and I can be a little too frank sometimes, I know that, but I proceeded, and I said, well, A.W. Tozer clearly said in one of his writings, and it touched me deeply, that a balanced person is like the seesaw. You know, when you get it balanced, this one's even with the other one, is even with the other one, with the even with the other one, and it's balanced. There's nothing uneven or unusual, it's balanced. And Tozer said, To follow Christ, to hear his voice, to obey his request, is to be imbalanced, to be off your measure, so to speak. So when I was asked to teach a two-day conference on balancing your life's demands, I I said no. And she said, she was kind of stunned, and I said, so um, I'm sorry, but that's how, you know, I explained it. So she said, okay, well, thanks so much. And she hung up. A couple of days later, she called me back. And she said, well, I wonder if you could do something else but include what balance could look like, understanding that blah, blah. And I said, oh, I think what you're getting at is you'd like me to give my thoughts about what balance. So I said, well, I'm going to consider that request, and I'll get back to you if the Lord leads me to something that I could teach. Well, about a week went by, and I was convicted, convinced, assured that what God had wanted me to teach that conference was the Ten Commandments. And as I began to look at the Ten Commandments, and then as I began to prepare to teach the Ten Commandments, I thought, if there was ever a definition of being imbalanced, balanced, it was found in the Ten Commandments. I mean, that each one of those commandments are so powerful, and they're very direct and tell us what to do, but they counteract each other. When I got to Sabbath, that thou should have a Sabbath, um, I, I can still feel it. Do you know what rebar looks like? Rebar? Rebar is sort of that fat iron work that they put in concrete things to make it strong. I read that thou shalt have a Sabbath rest, and it felt like one of those rebars, thick, which just pierced into my heart. Like, ah. Oh, 
And then I can remember thinking, a Sabbath is just not possible. When is it possible that I would have a Sabbath? So that's how it began. I taught the conference, and I made a commitment. <clears throat> Excuse me. I made a commitment to try to keep a Sabbath one day a week and not to tell anyone I was doing it. So that's what I did. I began crossing out on my personal calendar one day of the week, just a big red X through it, and it worked. It was seamless. People would say, would you like to? And I'd say, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do it on that day. How was another day? Fine, another day we have it. Until I was serving on the seminary, Phoenix Seminary board, and I had been asked to lead an accreditation committee, and I said yes to it. And uh, the dean at the time said, don't worry, there are about nine meetings in a row you have to have, and I'll call and get them set up with the accreditation board, and then you and the committee can follow on. So he did that. And about 10 days later, he called me, and he said, the first meeting is on Wednesday, April something. And I said, oh, I'm sorry, that's not possible. <clears throat> and he said, don't worry about it. All the other meetings, all nine other meetings, are on Wednesdays, two weeks apart. And I was busted, as my daughter said. Busted, Mom, you're busted. And I said to this man, who I'm very fond of and who has a permanent place in my life now because I had to expose myself, and I said, here's what I'm doing. And Wednesday, I can never do it. And that meant that either him or I, me, was going to go back to that accreditation board and change all nine of those meetings. But he did. And I cherish him to this day. Now, I trained myself to do that. I can still remember the first morning that I was going to have a Sabbath day. And I had a yellow pad, which I carry with me everywhere. There's one right here on my desk. I had my Bible, a book, a pen, and I was comfortable clothes. And I went in and sat down in our living room and sat down. And I thought, this is Sabbath. I sort of sat there for a while. I read a little scripture. I prayed a little. I wrote in my journal about three or four hours ago, and I thought, a whole day of Sabbath. I've got to find out what to do with a whole day of Sabbath. And I so looked forward to what God had in store and has had in store for me. It's 20-plus years. Um, I say out of 56 Sabbaths a year, I, I am quite sure that 46 or 7 of them I hold with quiet. I turn everything off. The computer is down. The phone is down. The cell phone is someplace else. I don't go to the door. I don't get dressed. I don't leave home. I'm so privileged to do that. But I also want to tell you that it was not easy. It was a long labor. Um, Eugene Peterson's a long obedience in the same direction. And I'm so glad that direction was taken. I trained myself to be quiet so I could listen for his voice and know it. I also learned other disciplines in this period of time, a different style of journaling, an examination, a confession. Uh, I actually have a number of practices that came into my faith walk, and some of you might wonder what those are, and there are two resources that I would recommend to you. One written by Richard Foster 45 years ago called A Celebration of Discipline, and the second one, written by Adele Calhoun, and that is the Spiritual Discipline Handbooks. 
I admire both of these writers tremendously. I, there isn't anything that they have ever written that I could not recommend. But both of these books on disciplines, spiritual practices, would help you increase your horizon for the kinds of things you might engage in in a Sabbath. You also might engage in a Sabbath or a rest, as I often do, and that's rest. That's just rest for your body. That's closing your eyes and taking a nap. When I got to the first day of my eight-day retreat this summer, I was so tired from the journey there. After I got myself settled, I laid down on the bed and I was soon fast asleep. How did I begin those eight days with a nap, with a rest? Sabbath is about rest and resting with him. I learned to stop talking so I could listen to others. I learned a lot about less self-talk. It was much harder to practice being in his presence or basking in his presence when my mind was going and having its own self-talk. A wonderful book called Basking in His Presence, written by a businessman who came to meet Jesus very late, his sixth decade of life. And he tells a fabulous story about a woman who went every day to a church that was unlocked. And she would go in and she would sit down and she would just sit there for hours. The custodian watched her. And after a couple of months, he finally, he just couldn't stand it anymore. She didn't read. She didn't have a Bible. She didn't kneel. She didn't pray. She didn't cry. She didn't praise. She didn't sing. She didn't do anything. And he went to her and said, I'm sorry, ma'am, but you're here every day. What is it you do? And the woman sweetly said, I look at him and he looks at me. Well, that was very precious to me. And I thought, could I look at the God of the universe, the creator of all mankind, the creator of everything, who is my savior and Lord and comforter and friend? Could I just look at him for a whole day? Could I go to Psalm 1, where he says to meditate on the scriptures day and night? Could I meditate on Psalm 1? When I read Psalm 1 from Eugene Peterson's version, meditating slowly helped me to give up all the mental stations. You know, the Donna Otto channels up there that I click on and click off and click to and go there again and repeat. And what about those things that I've been wounded in? And how many times have I rehashed them? All of these things were much more on the front stage with God than they had been in the past. And being still became easier. Just remember, I've been at these practices, some of them for 50 years. So be encouraged. These are not overnight. Oh, how I admire, sometimes envy, those of you whose personalities are quieter, are more able to sit still, can listen longer than certainly I could. But I remembered that stillness while it was hard to imagine God made it sure to me that my stillness with him, my determination to give him a part of my life in thought and hours and deed, um, it was going to allow for there to be an increase of depth in my relationship with God. When I first decided to have a closet, I took it quite literally. I still remember a friend of mine said, you're kidding me. The Bible doesn't mean closet literally. And I said, well, 
It said closet, and the only quiet place I could find is a closet. And I sat on the floor underneath my shirts, and a little pile of books is still so such a sweet memory to me. Nobody knew I was there, and nobody looked at me or looked for me, at least for a while. And then I started pointing a chair in the corner of a room where there was nothing to see but the corner of this room. And I think there are lovely ideas from men and women who've gone before us. Susanna Wesley, who's the mother of Charles and John Wesley, who had an apron. And when she pulled her apron up over her face, over her head, in a household that had 18 children, I can't imagine, it was a small house, I had seen pictures of it, or diagrams of what it looked like, but when she pulled that apron up over her head, all of her children knew that they were to be quiet. Susanna Wesley. Or how about the woman who I met some years ago who used this wonderful sentence. She said, nobody was ever hungry or thirsty till I was through with morning prayers. She just trained them. She trained her children to recognize that this time was essential to her and to her well-being with God. Relinquishment, letting go, are synonyms for the word surrender. And what David is talking about in this Psalm 4610 is literally letting go of your grip. Peterson says, I know experientially, full body knowing that this is God. And Ruth Haley Barton quote, she said that letting go of your grip and experiencing letting God be God in your life is what quiet and solitude listening looks like. This is a very trustful way to live with Christ in his spirit. It is a place to recognize being with Jesus is not like any other activity we ever plan. Just remember that. It's not a holiday. It's not a vacation. It's not a sit by the pool. It's not a book club. It's not a podcast. It's not a church service. All of those things we have some control over. The preparation for Christmas, I'm in charge of. What time are they coming? What are they eating? What are we doing? I'm in charge of this. But when I get still before the Lord, I am not in charge. I just show up. I just show up. When I first remembered feeling what that felt like, I I think it felt like if I could just go, (sighs) my shoulders would go down, my heart rate would be slower. I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to worry about anything. I just had to show up. I had to show up. So this is kind of a hard question to answer, but I think it's it's a good one. It's very personal, but I, there are two things of which I know something about. I know in my knower, but can't speak with my lips and my voice. I know in my knower. When someone says to me, how do you know his voice? Uh, it's very personal. I can't describe it. It doesn't have a syllable. It doesn't have a tone. It, doesn't, it isn't written on the wall. It isn't in neon colors. None of those things can describe it. But I know in my knower, and you homeschooling moms and school teachers, I know you can't find knower anywhere in the dictionary. But I can tell you, I know in my knower, the place where I know who God is, the place where I love to be with him, my knower. I know his voice. And that voice is the voice 
I want to hear more clearly. I want to respond to more quickly. I want everyone who knows and loves God to be able to distinguish that voice. And lastly, I want us to be willing to surrender to that voice. Thank you for joining us. This is a year for listening, listening for love and learning. And in the next time we're together, I'm going to be talking to you about the difference uh, in being an ing, I-N-G, and a full, F-U-L. I hope I've baited you to join us again. I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers. And remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day for being still with God.